oh, Mori, Mori, do you want to go? <laughs> I will never forget. He wanted to ask me if I wanted to go for a walk. And he was like, do you want to go for a run? <laughs> I was like, I'm wearing heels. You were like, I don't run. And it's four in the morning. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I am Maury Fontanez, intuition and purpose coach. And I'm Melissa Grushka, the Tinder swindler. Okay, <laughs> this week we're going to talk about romance. Are you ready to roll? Bean, did it hurt? <laughs> what? Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Oh, ew. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, man. All right, Beanie, what's going on this week? We're talking about dating and loving and relationshipping this week. But how's your week been? My week's been fine. I'd say neither here nor there. How about you? <laughs> you know what? what? My week's been um, interesting. I have a cringy moment that has nothing to do with dating or romance. Oh, okay. I saved my cringe for my dating. Yeah. I mean, I think we're. I think this whole episode is going to be cringy. Yeah. But I have a very non-romantic cringy moment. I just have right. to share it because it just happened to me last night. Please do. And this is the kind of thing I would have called you about this morning to process, but I knew you were going to be here. All right. So, you know, the state fair, like, do you get excited when you see the fair pop up in your local area? Sort of. Oh. Funny. My oldest just went to the fair last night. But yes, oh. I do. It reminds me of being young and my dad always took my sister and me. So yeah, I feel yeah. like I have fond memories of the fair. Well, I still have the same excitement inside of myself Aww. as I did when I was like nine or 10 when I Aww. see that Ferris wheel pop up. And so the fair is in town and it's a big deal because we live in a smaller town and the kids really wanted to go daughter's old enough to go meet a friend there 14 fine so I was gonna drop her off son wants to go with his friend which means I now have to also be there at the fair but right. I was stupidly so excited to go because I was like oh all the rides and the food yeah. and it's gonna be so fun yeah. uh, flash to no one wanting to be around me <gasps> me having to walk around the fair by myself gleeful and do circles around the fair and just find different fair foods to eat and so every time the kids would see me like we'd bump into each other I'd be standing there by myself eating like a caramel apple and then like pretending like I don't see them so that I didn't have to ruin their vibe and then they'd bump into me again and I was eating a corn dog <laughs> a third time <laughs> did you are you not I'm nauseous listening to you exactly the third time they bump into me and I'm trying to look nonchalant and cool I'm just standing there very sadly eating a churro by my favorite ride. And my son comes up to me and he's like, mom, do you want to go on this ride with us? And I was like, yes. really? Yes. I <laughs> dropped the churro. <laughs> Run. That's the least cringy. That's the it was sweetest so sad. story. No. Why didn't you play games on your own? Balloon pop. A good, I love that game where you roll the ball up into the hole and then like the horse moves along. But like, could you imagine me? I was seeing such a like montage from a Will Ferrell movie of just me by myself with like a big teddy bear yeah, sitting on the Ferris that, wheel, yeah. single tear going down my cheek. Oh, I saw. I thought of it as like kind of joyful, like you oh, and you the did. bear taking the ride together, <laughs> sharing a churro, having a nibble. The cringy part is that my kid felt sorry for me because he's like, if I don't go on a ride with this oh. bitch, she's going to end up eating the entire fare. And <laughs> that's not going to be true. And cute. you did. Anyway, what's your cringy moment my cringy i was saving it for dating stories oh you are i thought oh my god like old cringy dating okay, wait. stories can i give you a cringy dating related thing before Always. we get into it all right have you watched this show on netflix the perfect match 
No, I'm going to say every time Stop you ask it. me if I've watched a show on Netflix, the answer is <gasps> almost always no. Why? Okay, I need you to watch The Perfect Match. You're going to hate it. Okay, it is great. this like reality game show dating thing yes. hosted by Nick Lachey, obviously. And Necessary. it's all of these Netflix other reality show people who come to this place in Panama to this house and they are like five women five men and they have to match up right like they're single and then they do these challenges and whoever has the upper hand whichever couple has the upper hand goes into this room and gets to bring in two singles like of one gender so like they'll bring in two female singles or two male singles to basically throw the balance off because the way you win this game is after 12 weeks or some shit the couple who stays matched in the house at the end wins right so the Mm -hmm. entire goal is that if you see chemistry with someone to throw it off and bring in like a a hot person or like some of them have history with other people and like then the exes come in so like if there's five couples, then they'll bring in two chicks and then it turns out being seven women, t- five men. So then the men have the upper hand. But this is what's so funny I because see. then the next time they bring in two women and then there's more women than men. So then the women have the upper hand. So then the chick you said you weren't into last night now has the upper hand and now you're begging for her attention. Oh, that's kind of dirty. Yeah. It's so, so uncomfortable. That? So yes. do you like that? I don't want to feel like uncomfortable, it. especially at night. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to save my discomfort for the daytime. <laughs> uh, all right. So anyway, that's my I don't know. I thought that was cringy just and romance related because it's a show about love, you know. Oh, OK. Yeah, What's your cr- what do you have a cringe dating story or romance story? I have a cringe. Well, I was trying to think and I don't know how because I have definitely dated, but I could only really think of one <laughs> super cringe story from when I was very early dating my husband. We were in here, this like gorgeous townhouse in Georgetown. And we were laying down and we were watching some like late night show. I don't know what it was. I was going to say Johnny Carson, but that's definitely not right. <laughs> that's definitely not you right. You were dating in the 70s? Yeah. And I was oh. like laying and my legs were out. And I was, I mean, we were probably uh, two months in maybe. And I'm laying there and we're laughing, laughing, laughing at whatever not Johnny Carson <laughs> is saying. And I don't know what happens, but I like let one rip. And I, it doesn't, I don't fart like a little like boom. Or like a, it was like a full blown, uh, I had no control. It just ripped out of my behind. Like, (gasps) oh my God. The audio part. Thank you for showing us. You're welcome. (laughs) And instead of being like, you know, trying to brush it off or ignoring it and making it feel bad, making me feel better. My, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, like slow motion turns his head with his mouth (laughs) agape at me (laughs) slow motion because we were both facing the tv looks at me i am looking dead at the television refusing to make eye contact with him and we just sort of sit there he doesn't say anything like it's okay i didn't say anything like oh pardon me we just kind of sat there staring (laughs) wait you didn't say anything i didn't know it it was so aggressive i didn't know what how to respond i was 20 i didn't know what to say Oh and, my god. And then he like went to bed and I couldn't even gather myself to go up to bed. I just like kind of laid on the couch thinking if I should just leave or stay. <laughs> that is um I feel like he should have said something to make you feel Agreed. better. Agreed. Agreed. I'm Red not happy flag. about the way that was Thank handled. Thank you. Like yes. he, right, I would have done the same like or I would have like if he farted or I would have, like farted back or something. Yeah. <laughs> we all fart, friends. <laughs> 
Uh, you don't see that on Perfect Match. There's there's none sure of that real stuff. They're too there's hot not. to fart. <laughs> I thought I was too hot to fart. Well, but you know what? Every The message here is everyone farts. That is. I think yeah. that's the takeaway. That is the takeaway here. If you get anything out of this episode, let it be everyone farts. Okay, but here's my transition. Okay. We... <laughs> It'll be seamless, I'm sure. No, it actually... We talked about doing this episode. We were like, oh, we should talk about romance and love. And then we were like, that's a really big topic. So what? Huge. what's our take? What do we mean? And I think the reason we both wanted to talk about it is because at this point in our lives, having been in relationships for a long time, um, we look back and realize how idealized love and romance is in society. Really? And we decided we wanted to burn all that down and rebuild it. Like we need to have a more real conversation about romantic love so that we don't all get so wrapped up in trying to be perfect and then get let down and be disappointed. So really this is about the- We're here to make you sad that love no. will never happen. No, we're here to make you happy. We're oh, here right. to we're break rebuilding. down bullshit about love and rebuild it from a place of like truth. Like a phoenix. Yeah, like, like phoenix, a phoenix. Phoenixing romance right now. No, that's what that's the name of this episode thing. should be. Phoenixing, phoenixing romance. romance. Make that note down, of that, everyone. producers, please. All right. So anyway, listen. Do we So we both agree romance is deeply idealized by Absolutely. many, many, many things in life and in yes. society. I tend to think that like the way that you're raised and the culture you're raised in is the very first. Definitely. Go at that. Definitely. Like, can you give me an example from your childhood? Absolutely. Can we just, first can of we all, let everyone in the fact that you're Persian? I think Persian and perfect. Per what? Perfect and Persian. Um, I think we've said that, but I'm, yes, oh. I'm Persian. I absolutely, it's idealized in my culture on multiple levels. First of all, I come from a very like, um, romantic culture. Like, have you heard of Rumi? Yes. Rumi's a poet Persh. that lots of people like to quote when they Persh. are in love or talking about love. Rumi's Persian. Farsi is such a poetic language. It's such a language that's focused on like, you know, expressing love in a million different ways. Oh, wow. I love um, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. It's a very um, love-oriented, romance-oriented <gasps> language and culture. Oh, wow. And so I think that that in itself really is kind of pervasive in little tiny ways. Like, you know, I remember hearing, you know, our parents getting together and reciting poetry in the living room. And like, he, yeah, over here. Up? That's amazing. The Persians do this. Listen, all of our wow. Persian listeners, you uh, you let us know. But Wow, I, I love that. Now I kind of want to do me. that with my kids. They'll be like, yes, my mother was was reading poetry with her friends. They would like say them. They knew these poems and it was all about love and like what love Ooh. is. And so there was a lot of conversation, I think, about romantic yeah. love. So there's that. Then the layer on top of it culturally for me was obviously a notion that is, I think, pervasive in many, 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 many cultures, which is that marriage is what makes you redeemable and valuable because actually ultimately it creates safety and security. And sadly, I think that is across culture. That's across thing. every culture. Yeah, and we'll get into that I later. Say, yeah, that's yeah, that's a historic thing. thing. That's an economic situation. But, but we're going to break it down. For Persians, it really, you know, it would come through in a couple ways. Like my Aziz Jun, my grandmother, um, the most loving being, you remember Aziz Jun. She was very loving, yes. Like on the planet, uh, super liberal, really, really just all she cared about was love. And when she would pray for your happiness, because she used to do it for all her grandchildren, 
she would pray that you got married and were lived happily ever after. That was her prayer. <laughs> it was like, was like, may you be Cinderella. Yeah, it was really about getting married. And you, I'd hear her say that, like when she'd be like, that means like, I hope that you're happy and that you find a good husband. And that was from the time I was like, well, I don't know, 12. So oh, that, wow. that was already getting kind of planted in my head that, oh, this matters. Like this matters to my happiness, says my grandmother, who only wants the best for me and the world. Um, and then the third way, and I'll shut up, is no, I, I'm watching. actually loving this. I think it's oh, giving me a lot of insight into how some things have played out for you. Yes. Watching other Persian couples yes. put on a performance of marriage and perfection oh. in marriage that um, now that I'm older and I look back at them and we will not be naming names, but I look at their marriages Name and it. I'm like, oh, damn. Like I can now see from an intuitive place that that was not – you guys were not happy. It's clear. Do you think that's a Persian thing or that's like a human no. thing? Which part? The putting on a good face about your marriage. Because I feel like that is all I think across the board. It is a human thing, but I will say Persians are really good at projecting what they want other people to see. And yeah. it's always got to be perfect. So like you've like got to be on yeah. your game. Your house has got to be gorgeous. Your car has got to be gorgeous. Your wife's got to be gorgeous. You know, like everyone's got to be. a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm generalizing, but I think that's generally what I found. And so when I would like, we'd go to these Persian parties and it was like, you know, kids in one corner and all these couples um, performing perfection, but you could oh. sense beneath that there was like unhappiness or there was disconnection really, but it was this act they'd put on these stories they'd tell about like the way that they spend time together that just felt fake, but it was this projection. And then I think I wanted to be perfect like them. So I was like, oh, I, this is what I've got to do. I've got to find a mate to then right. put on this performance, put on this show with. Yeah. Wow. That is some deep shit. Right. Man. <laughs> and it's super subconscious. It yeah, really is. Yeah. So yeah. I think that the idealizing for me at least started culturally. I don't know if you have, does any of that spark anything like in the Jewish culture? I mean, I definitely think there's a push to get married. I mean, there's all these, there's a ton of Jewish matchmakers even. I think yes. there is a push for Jews, um, especially, well, I feel like earlier, in earlier days, there was a push for Jews to marry Jews. Who's that now matchmaker? Like is she Jewish? The the millionaire matchmaker? Yes, Paula of she's Jewish. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to I mean, take like one of your people. Jewy. Like, got it. Yeah. Um, I just read an article too about this like 23-year-old Jewish matchmaker in New York who's like doing these different events. Um, and matchmaking is still pretty common among the Orthodox community, I believe. Yes. And they tend to really keep it in the religion. Like they only marry Jews. Yes. Um, matchmaking. Yeah. That actually reminds me a lot of, I think that in Indian culture. Yes. Matchmaking is also, I've had a couple of Indian partners. Um, matchmaking is a really big thing in that culture. Why do you think there's such a focus on like an elder or someone else? I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something controversial right now. Do it. I'm going to hit you with it. Do I it. actually don't think that concept. When I was younger, I thought, oh my gosh, my parents picking my partner. What do they know about me? What do they know about what I want or what's important or what values I'm looking for? But really, <laughs> like, do we know what we're doing when we're 20 years old and we're like, I'll marry that one. <laughs> I feel like our parents at that point 
or our family members who know us really well might have a better idea of what's a sustainable relationship for us and what might make the best sense for us. I'm not saying I can't make my own decisions and that my decisions were poor when I was 20, 21. I'm just saying, I think there is something to matchmaking and looking well, at people's traits and seeing what kind of link up and work well together. Yeah. I think part of it is like, do you really need to be getting married when you don't know yourself though? No, but then nobody would get married because when do you really know yourself? Well, I think you know yourself better is definitely you get older. Like if I had gotten married in my late thirties, it would have been a whole different marriage than totally. when I got 25 when totally. I got married. So I actually like, think that's totally. so interesting because I, that's I, that sounds cultural to me that you get married younger in Persian culture too. I don't know if this is the case No, with Jews. Jews actually, there was a study or two that a lot of um, female Jews tend to marry a little later than other people because we often um, go for an extra degree or mm. often go to college and we're right. pursuing education and career opportunities and then marriage. Got it. Well, yeah. but I think that if you are getting, if you're, if culturally getting married younger is what's valued, then right. I do see the, the like necessity of a matchmaker to your right. point to tell because you, you don't up. know yourself really well. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to challenge that if you don't know yourself really well, maybe hold off on the marriage because it I ain't mean, cute. But the problem is cute. when you're early 20s, you think you know everything and you're unstoppable and you're invincible still pretty much. But imagine and you didn't that's... have a culture and a matchmaker being like, go get married during this phase of trying to figure yourself out. Right. But it was more like, hey, go figure yourself out. And Marriage is not the be-all, end-all right now for you. It's you that matters. I agree, Imagine but try that. telling that to a 22-year-old. No, you. that's what I'm saying. I think a 22-year-old would be open to that message if they weren't raised with and trained that that mattered so much. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. And especially if your friends around you start getting married and you're feeling this pressure to like hop on that bandwagon. I do think that that is generational, though. I think that now the marriage age is much getting older. It is. I think it rightfully is. And so. I think that there's not as much of a push to um, have children immediately as there once was. So I think yeah. that impacts age too. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So there's the culture part. Then there's obviously the media part. Do you feel like there are movies that shaped the way you thought about love and romance? I mean, immediately coming to my mind is first and foremost, <laughs> dirty dancing. favorite movies of all time I guess that is kind of it's not rom-com it's a little darker um just that whole concept of sort of marrying uh this actually applies probably to what we were wait just they were Jewish right they were Jews but Johnny wasn't oh, a Jew right but, so he wasn't a Jew and he was the staff at the resort that they were staying out so it was definitely marrying out of yes. religion and marrying and out class. of class yes. yeah so her daddy who, who was super accepting of like everyone in the world and wanted to help wasn't pleased with his baby mm -hmm. falling in love with the wrong person, essentially, in his mm. mind, what the wrong person was, despite right. the fact that they danced like no other and they like. were in love and nobody puts baby in the corner. See that it's bringing up. But he emotion. saw the light what? at the end. But what about that movie spoke to little young Melissa? What did you um, want? The true, I guess feel? the true love conquers all. Because at the end, he says no one puts baby in the corner. And he just sort of like, he goes to say something and then he doesn't. And then at the end, he comes up and he says, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. The dad. The dad. The yeah. dad. And he yeah, says yeah, that yeah. to Johnny and Johnny's uh -huh. like, oh, yeah. And then it was like, yeah, true love really does win out. 
Oh, you know, another movie that I just came to my mind thinking about it. Same exact story. Titanic. Uh Uh-huh. I know. She needs to marry who she needs to marry. Mommy told you who to marry. She doesn't love that guy. He's not even that nice to her. He's kind of physically abusive. But her mom says you need to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's emotionally abusive as well. Mom says you need to do it for financial reasons. Correct. And you need to do it for mommy. You don't just need to do it for you. You need to do it for me. Right, right. Because dad left them with debt. Yeah, but I love Jack, man. Jack's yeah. where my heart is. And she's like, yeah. I don't care. He's right. not cool. Yeah. 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 But so you are drawn wants, to these wants. like forbidden love kind of vibes. I guess I am. Uh-huh. Why? Oh, I What's that say about me? What do you think know. that means? We got to analyze that. Wait, give love. me, hit me with a movie. Okay. My number one romantic movie that I love. And if you make fun what of is me. this going to be? I don't even want to know. I don't want to hear it because I'm almost sad that what if it makes me mad at you? You can't get mad at me. It's not best friendship Bye. to get Bye. mad at me. No. It's Notting Hill. Oh, Jesus. I forgot that. I remember you love Notting Hill. So much. Same thing. A I movie that's star. Forbidden love. A movie star is dating this like Joe Schmo who lives in uh-huh. this cute, with an, it with is a, a class roommate. Thing. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's the class thing again. Like you're not supposed to be, you're not who I'm supposed to be with, but I love you anyway. And the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, and it's a little like um, I think that what I love about it is that it is such a celebration of her as the partner. I think that's what I liked. Oh, I like that. I like that it was about her and it was not yeah. about finding a, a, a guy. It was like guy. him really chasing her. That was the first time I think I really <sighs> saw that in a movie. I think that's what I liked about it. Mm, I like your But like the, then he's going to like do anything for her and burst. I love bursting <gasps> into press conference scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Are there a lot of those? Yeah. Now that you say it, or like the There's airport. A lot. How about yeah. running after oh, someone running in the after airport? someone in the airport. For yeah, this sure. was pre-9-11. Yeah, yeah. But even sure. post-9-11, they're making movies where people are running to the gate. And I'm like, excuse me, I need some kind of TSA gate. moment. Yeah. Here. Like where they you were waiting just... in line the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Or room. like run on the plane and they're like, get off the plane with me. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so right. Notting Hill. Um yeah. do you know what though? I also love old 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 movies like old love that's even yes. more i feel like in line with so indoctrinated standards yes yeah. and my favorite movie of all time is an affair to remember have you seen that oh really yes with deborah of kerr and carrie oh, Grant. yes of course oh my god that movie first of all has been remade i saw the bollywood version of it Ooh. i've seen i mean that movie's been remade a million times um, i've really never seen a remake only the actual film do you remember the like general Theme yeah, of this and movie. The, it's, yeah, and it's they sad. meet on a ship. It's sort of yes. Titanic esque, but it does not sink. Blessings. And then they, he's engaged. She's promised to someone else. They're both promised to someone else, Is but they fall in love in the like crossing that they do. You know, across the Atlantic, they fall Aww. in love in those seven days. Look at your face. You're all, you're Aww. getting taken back to the moment. And then they promise each other they're going to go break off their entanglements and they'll meet at the top of. The Eiffel, t- not Eiffel Tower. Empire, Empire State, State Building. Building. Wait, so do you know what movie is based on an affair to Sleepless remember? Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. And they're I love gonna keep meet- the trivia coming, man. It's my favorite. <laughs> they're going to meet. It- you get really excited about trivia. I do. I love trivia. I actually just told my kids the other night we were watching Wheel of Fortune, and I was like, "Did you know that Bean has been applying for Best Friend Week for Wheel of Fortune for the last ten years?" I'm not going to lie. I even dished you, and I've applied on my own because I love Wheel of Fortune. Oh my god, Best Friend Week sad. is too specific. I'd have to have it too narrowed down. I need to get okay. on there. Pat anyway, Jack. we're going to move up. on because that broke my heart. Um, oh, sorry. So anyway, they are supposed to meet at the top of the Eiffel. 
God, why do I keep saying the Eiffel Tower? I don't know. You, cause you, I know why. Because you got that French, that French man in mind. I got that French love. I can't wait to tell that story. Anyway, they're supposed to meet at the Empire State Building. And then I don't know, should I spoil it? Maybe I shouldn't. Watch this movie. Because yeah, the don't. way yeah. it ends is so, I can't even. It's a little, it's a tearjerker. It's a tearjerker. It's beautiful. And that really shaped my idea of love. Oh, it did? I, I think like do like, anything for each do other, like anything for each to other to get the true love. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any other ones? I mean, I kept thinking of all the Disney movies, but like in a negative way, because it's always these women whose moms aren't in their lives and they're going to like, I don't know, do anything to get the attention of this prince. And uh, it oh. seems really outdated. Oh, like the little know, mermaid, the little mermaid, which my mother, it's my favorite movie. I know. It's one of my favorites, too. My mother doesn't like it because Ariel willingly leaves her father for a dude. (laughs) (laughs) My mom loved her dad so much. She was so close with her father. I know that. And she thinks it's so mean that Ariel was just like, peace out, dad. I'm just going to go walk around with Eric over there. (laughs) Because he was holding on to her too tightly. Let go of your children, parents. He loved, but his, yeah, but he loved her. He loved his daughter. But you know what? He's got a bunch of other ones. Yeah, he did have a bunch of other ones. Um, yeah, no, the Disneyfication of love is a whole episode for sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, the like damsel it. in distress moment. Totally. Um, and also, I think that if you think about, obviously, this is can be applied to anything, but the way that media influences your ideas of anything, like, I just have to say as a brown person, there wasn't a lot of brown love stories when I was growing up. Like, totally. think about the movies I'm listing. Yeah, it's all white people movies. I yeah. Mean, super white. Yeah. Super white too. people movies. And so then I think it also, that also I think influences what you think. I think I like white picket fenced my yeah. ideal marriage or love because I watched it through such a white lens. Wow. That's really unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Not, I guess. I, I know. You know. I know it. You know it. You know, you knew it because you walked into my first house and I had some stupid saying on a it wasn't live, laugh, love, but it was something like that. I just, I don't do well with sayings. You on, were very upset. On words, on posters. You were like, you are the whitest person I've ever met. Anyway. Um, you were like, well, that's because I grew up watching white movies. Totally. That is yeah. honestly what it is. And listen, so let's wrap up this idealization okay. phase with just saying this. I'm writing a book right now. I think I've talked about yeah, this. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you I are. I just finished this chapter on love. Um, oh. And... One of the things I talk about in the book that I I think needs to just be really clear to people is that this idea of monogamous, heterosexual, long-term commitment or marriage is a historic artifact that's about economic security, period. snap. You wrote a chapter on that? I did. I mean, I mentioned it. I wrote about other things. But what I mean by that is like we have romanticized something that – hundreds of years ago began very utilitarian. It began very much about we need to increase our land. Women couldn't work. So they've got to be somehow offloaded as a liability, a financial liability. Um, Marriages were contracts that added to wealth. Get five cows for the, yeah, totally. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really, what's funny, I think the joke, like I think if, you know, there are people. I'd give five cows to marry you. You would? Just five? I'd give 20 cows. Okay, that's better. Um, I think that if there's like a great, you know, universe out there watching us and laughing, because my my guides are 
com- comedians. I can't talk right now. Would be comedians. So if <laughs> there's angels and guides up there guiding me, they're, they think everything's hilarious. I'm sure yours do too. But I think the greatest joke is that like we took something that was so utilitarian and so about survival from an economic totally. standpoint and we Even romanticized yeah. it totally. and believe that that is like the ideal of love. And I think we're Silly. still doing it. 100%. Constantly. Yes, 100%. Embarrassed for us. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to discuss why dating is typically thought of as so challenging and hard and daunting. Mm. Like, I don't think I know a lot of people who were like, I'd love to date tons of different people and get to know everyone differently. I feel like it feels like a task or like a chore to a lot of people. Like there are some fun parts, but overall it's like, oh, I have to keep dating until I find one that feels suitable. Yeah. Well, I really respect people who enjoy dating. I really do. I think if you go into it, to your point about like just open and curious about just, oh, I'm hanging right. with someone, I'm getting to know them. That could be really fun. I never enjoyed it because I I really, really, really like deep connection and intimacy. So I don't right. I don't like small talk to begin with, with anyone. Like I don't like to walk into a cocktail party and small talk. That's my worst nightmare. Um, so dating from <laughs> dating triggered me. Dating for me, I think that's what comes up for me is why is it so hard? Is it's like that beginning awkwardness that goes yeah. on. Um, and it's I really mean, inauthentic, like what you're saying, what you're sharing, what you're letting in them in on, what they're letting you in on. Also, right. like who even knows if anything they're saying is true? True. You don't even know these people. Right. That's the thing. I mean, I think we create such beautiful masks and projections that we take into trying to get into these relationships because going back to what we were just saying, they make us valuable and we project all this stuff. And then you're basically dating like a hologram. (laughs) You don't, you don't find out. It's true, but no, seriously, you're dating a projection and then you don't really find out what's real until much later. Don't you find that? Yeah. Until you're like further along and more enmeshed already. Then you're like, yeah. And you're in a projection, like you're projecting too. So then you're not showing your, I have to you're say, pretty, I'm, for the most part, <laughs> I'm that pretty me. So that for me, I'm you. always like, you you're either you either like me or you don't like me, and that's how it yeah. works. Yeah. So speaking of dating being really super hard, um, our producer actually was chatting with us when we were loosely discussing this episode, and she kept being like, "Why do I kept keep getting ghosted?" And for me, mm, I had ghosted. no answer because this again, we didn't we didn't have text messaging for like half of dating when we were younger, but. I, I don't seriously understand. think you talk about yourself like you were born in 1827. I'm sorry. I, and I just I want to clarify like that you are I'm only 40. 40 years old. I'm only 40. You're having a moment right now that, it's turning that the 40. listeners get yes, to listen yes, to. You're right. That in a year from now will be different. Will be but nothing. you're really in the moment. It's definitely an identity crisis right <laughs> You now. are having an age sorry. situation. Anyway, text anyway. was around when I dated and I am two years older than you. So I do, I'm curious about this ghosting situation because I don't get it. Like why are people not just saying like, oh, this isn't working out or you're not my type or whatever. Like you said this and I realized we're just not aligned. Like why can't people just share like this isn't working for X, Y, and Z instead of making somebody wonder the whole time, like, what did I do? What happened? Was there another person? What, what's your take? I think we have not been taught to have courageous conversations with each other as human beings. And I think it's just easier once you don't feel the vibe for whatever reason to disappear and like I mean, literally just not show up. I this producer, our producer who asked this, I don't know why the hell she keeps getting ghosted cuz she's 
fucking amazing. Yeah, everybody um, wants in. But I also think that sometimes people – it could be a million things. That's the thing. Like you don't know who you're going out with. Talk about totally. the projection. They're showing you one side of them, but what's their truth? You know, Maybe they're intimidated. Maybe they're scared of commitment. Maybe they're getting a little too into you. Maybe they're – I don't know. Maybe the chemistry is not there. Who knows? But to your point, shouldn't there be a conversation about it? Yes. Like if yeah. you're going somewhere and you're not going to show up, you text and say, I'm not going to show up. Yeah. So I feel like you're sort of like traveling alongside of this person who you're attempting to date or whatever. And then like you think you're both going in the same direction. And then suddenly that person just veers left and doesn't tell you. I, yeah. I don't understand it. I think it's rude, I don't understand. To be totally it. honest. It is so inconsiderate and hurtful and harmful to ghost. And like hear my voice. It right. is so much better to just send that text and be like, you know what? Let me just give you the language. Just type this. Those of you okay. that are ready to ghost. Oh. Hey, I have enjoyed hanging out but I am just not feeling the vibe the slash the Fine. chemistry slash the connection. Use your words. And I wish you well. Use your words. That's it. What, that's it. Use your words. I know that feels harsh. Use your words. I know it feels harsh, but it's so much more harsh to disappear. Totally. Like on the receiving end, I would a thousand times rather receive like you're not my type than sitting there wondering like what's the deal? Did this person you know what's even the worse What than ghosting though? No. Gaslighting the other person to think it's their fault that you're not into them. That is even worse because then it's like, I'm going to communicate because my conscience won't let me just disappear, but I need you to feel like it's your fault that we're, I'm not into you. And then that leaves the person with this like wound that a coach like me has to go clean out years later. Ew. That That sounds gross. That sounds (laughs) energetic. It's energetic. There's no pus or anything. Um, yeah, I think that's even worse, honestly, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, I even tell my kids, like, when, you know, there's all these elementary school, like, friend issues. And I'm always like, everybody doesn't have to like everybody. You just have to be nice. You don't yeah. have to like every single kid yes. in your class. Right. You just have to be nice and cordial to them. Unless yes. they're being really unkind to you, then you can defend yourself. Yeah. But other than that, like, just separate. Just move yourself away, but be nice. And part right. of being nice is be not nice. ghosting, in my humble opinion. Or gaslighting. Wait, but Bean, do you yeah, – I have the ultimate ghosting story ever. Ooh, Maybe this will do? make our producer feel better. Yeah, do you remember? This is your you favorite story ghosted? ever. Wait, yes. is this Frenchie? Yes. Oh, I didn't really think of it in terms of ghosting. Are you kidding? This is I the guess, worst ghosting, ghosting story. Because ghosting is a newer term. Oh, wait. Please. People are going to respect of, I beg for of me. You. I beg of you for everybody out there to do your French accent. I beg <laughs> My of you. horrible French it's accent. It's how I fell if in love If we have any you, French listeners, they're going to stop listening to this. Um, no. Okay. Listen, this is a long story. I'm going to tell it as quickly as possible. And just I hope people respect me I kind of want afterwards. you just to tell it as long All I as can possible. Say, this is right out of college. Let me just put that out there. I was like 22 years old. I I'm went laughing. to Barcelona with my <laughs> friends. The four of us had like two weeks in Spain. It was amazing. And uh, but I was dating my best friend's brother. Oops. When we went and my best friend That's was there. So this wow. is where it gets a little juicy. And Ooh. we went to Barcelona and we were having so much fun and we were at a club and I see this guy from across the club and I just am like, I must have this person. <laughs> that was That's it. Why. It must yeah. happen. And so we had total that like vibey eye contact chemistry, wow. all that stuff. We end up like all staying really late, the four of us. And he had yeah. like three friends there and it Woo-hoo. ends up being the seven of us. We're hanging out and he's like, oh, Murray, Murray, do you want to go? <laughs> I'll never forget. He wanted to ask me if I wanted to go for a walk. And he was like, do you want to go for a run? <laughs> I 
was like, I'm wearing heels. You're like, I don't run. And it's four in the morning. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, I walk. And so then I like, I mean, I fell head over heels wow. in love with this Frenchie yeah. in Barcelona. And we traded phone numbers and I got back and I was like vibing him too hard. So I had to break up with the boyfriend, which was so sad. Oh, I'm sorry for his loss. That was not a nice way to end a relationship. But like there was chemistry with this person. And so- But did you use your words? I used my words. Absolutely. We've been dating for four years. Yeah. Yes, you used your words. You were like, this is happening. I'm sorry, but this is how it's happening. Yes. And I texted and and the Frenchie would like buy <gasps> calling cards and call me every day and talk to me every day about how is my day going. And I just loved it so much. And then we were like, we were in love. I mean, this oh, was wow. like after two Congrats. months. I went to Paris to visit him uh, by myself. Like Safety. I... As yeah. a parent, I'm like, God damn the karma I have created oh my by myself. Like we, I, I don't only know. imagine your mother. So feelings. many things happened. He got into a fight on the street once. Come to find out, I guess he was a drug dealer of some kind. Whoops. Didn't <laughs> know that then. Came back still in love. Wow. Congrats. Decided again. he must come to the States. Yes. He was going to move to the States. Makes sense. And yes. with his cousin, Momo. <laughs> Momo. <laughs> Can you um, that? Yeah. And so I was like, cool, I'm going to help you out. I leased an apartment. Holy shit. My Nike, friends I and I, all oh, my poor friend Ernesto and Cal, shout out <gasps> to them. You leased an apartment for them? For them. And my friends helped me like get furniture and like <gasps> put the apartment together. I mean, we were in love. They were going to move to America and we were going to be wow. together forever. Mr. and Mrs. Frenchie. Yes. My and then <laughs> they showed up and it was like the happiest seven days of my life oh no it came to a quick because end. then clearly obviously it all started falling apart because who the hell thinks that this is going to work when two people who don't have a work visa I'm or a sure green card you thought it was i work. did this is, this is the brilliance of a 22 year old yeah and they showed up and i think they thought this is now that i go back and look at it i think he thought i somehow was like a rich girl or something i really do you give because off that vibe. yeah and i was not and so I, they came and stayed in the apartment and like he just started getting more and more distant and distant and distant and like wasn't really wanting to like even touch me anymore towards the last oh, no. end of the week. And they were supposed to at least stay for, you know, a couple months. And um, one day I'm calling and calling and calling. He's not answering the phone. So I call my friend Ernesto. I'm like, let's go to the apartment. I'm really worried. And we walk in and they're gone. Where's all your stuff? The furniture's there, but their stuff's not there. Where were and they? I had, they went back to Paris. Without telling you? Yes. Like, I've, you've always told me, you've always told me this story and I've laughed and we've giggled and you do your French accent. Like you said, it was a long story, but you really kept pretty concise. Thank but you. in the longer version, there's so many good French accent stories that I've always it's been true. so drawn to that. And what I didn't really realize is how he fucking ghosted you. And now- I'm mad. I yeah. feel like he rejected you, which in now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking like a lot of dating is really tough because people don't like to be rejected. And you're putting yourself out there saying, am I good enough for you or am I not good enough? Ding, and ding, basically ding. the majority of the time, unless you're married, it's basically like either you're not good enough for me or I'm not good enough for you. And that's rejection. And that's really hard to swallow. I would argue. Actually, that is... Such a brilliant point. 
Dating so. is so hard because it's about rejection. And I would argue, I'm going to disagree with you here. Oh. That is also oh. ever present in a marriage or a committed partnership. Like what? Rejection? The concept of, of rejection. rejection. Yes. 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 Because it happens in little micro moments too. It's like, you know, disagreements can feel like rejection. Lack of intimacy after you've been together for 10 years can feel like rejection. There's like Lack of a communication, mil- which happens so much in marriage, can feel yes. very hardcore like rejection. Yes. And I really think that that is about like feeling like you want to be seen. And yes. when your partner can't see you – and really show you that they see you and they can attend to your needs and that they value who you are, that is the ultimate form of rejection. A hundred percent. In fact, I almost feel like it's more um, weighted when it is your marriage because you're in this like hardcore commitment. Whereas when you're like early dating, you can feel rejected and then you're like, eh, whatever, moving on. Yeah. You know, anybody in your marriage, you're like, I'm going to keep feeling this rejection if something doesn't shift. Because you're living with the person who's rejecting your truth. Totally. Right. But I find when I get asked to coach on love and romance that that is only possible when you don't love and value your own truth. So you don't speak up for it. You don't express your needs. You don't put up boundaries when your needs aren't being met. I think that when people are having a hard time owning who they are and what they need, then it's really hard for your partner to love who you are and what you need because you're not projecting your true self and needs and desires. I don't think people know the proper language to express often what it is that they really need because probably half the time they're not even aware. They just have the sensation of feeling sad and unloved and alone and they're not totally sure what it is. But I think a lot of it, there are people who want to do that. They just don't have the tools. That's all. Full circle moment though. I think that it's, there's a thing beneath the tools, which is the training that being loved and being in a relationship is the utmost important thing. And that you need to trade off in order to hold on to that thing. And the thing we trade off to hold on to that thing is ourselves. ourselves. Oh my God, you're blowing my mind. I feel like we could talk about this topic for like six years. Wait, so then why don't we make this a two-parter? <gasps> I love that idea. You do? <gasps> okay. Yeah, I feel like there I feel like this is relatable to like everybody on the planet. All right. So next week we're gonna come back then and we're gonna oh, talk because we have so many notes about why we're taught to love the way we totally. do. How do we build healthy relationships? We really do need to talk about right. let's rebuild. Because we said yes. we were gonna break people down and rebuild them. And so we we'll didn't. rebuild we them next. Just broke you down. <laughs> No, we'll rebuild you next week. We'll talk about how to That's actually great. have a more authentic, honest relationship with yourself and therefore other people. What do you think about that? Two-parter? I think I love it. I think I'll, I'll be there. Okay, good. Uh, well, being I don't know. What are your takeaways from this episode then? Well, I think my biggest takeaway probably is that farting is okay for all the people. Yes and- to farting, no to ghosting. Write that down. Agreed. Yes for farts, no for ghosting. That'll be the new sign in my house when you show up. Yeah, your white person sign. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Grushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadeh, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. 
Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.